Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we are going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. We got to talk, of course, about USC's uh, unsuccessful trip to the Pacific Northwest, falling uh, to the number six ranked Oregon Ducks, 36 to 27. Made it a little closer at the end. To me, it didn't feel like it was a close game, but we want to get Coach Hyde's thoughts on all of that. Uh, USC has now lost four of the last five games and uh, has the big one against UCLA this weekend in the Coliseum, 12.30 p.m. kickoff on ABC. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can uh, drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com or call or text us at 424-254-254. 9141. And if you have the Apple podcasting app, please uh, follow us there and leave us a five-star rating. I haven't had a rating for a while. So if you have that Apple podcasting app on your phone or your iPad or whatever, and you want to take a minute and leave us a five-star review, we would really, really appreciate that. And we really appreciate having the coach on. What is up, coach? How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes hard to do these podcasts, but uh, I know a lot of you out there are concerned about the Trojans, the growth of the Trojans, the future of the Trojans, and all of that, and I think that's what we're here for. We definitely are, and it's funny, I did the Tunnel Vision show last night, Coach, Sunday night, we're recording this uh, Monday morning, and then I was looking through, I'm like, okay, USC's record, and it didn't really dawn on me that this team has lost four of its last five games, um, which is true, and you know, it Without that triple overtime win over Arizona, without the batted two-point conversion, I mean, you're very close to losing your last six, but the way it stands, four out of the last five, I I mean, that's just not something I even thought was possible heading into the season. Well, I'll tell you, it's been a steady decline. Uh, As we mentioned, and I've said before, you know, when coaches find out uh, how people are stopping you. They steal from each other, and if it worked against uh, for them, then they're going to try it for themselves and uh, steal from somebody else. And uh, right now, currently, they've got a plan on how they want to attack uh, USC offensively and defensively. And uh, obviously, their, their run defense is something that is uh, not up to standards. Their pass defense... Uh, I don't know why Oregon didn't throw the ball more, really, honestly, because every pass, if they continue with the uh, passing game, they could have. They could have scored a, a lot more points because the secondary is completely confused and they have no idea what they're doing. And it's really hard on them because they look at each other the far as where they're going to line up. And when the play is busted and they score a touchdown, they look at each other like saying, who had him? So it's a real confusion type of thing. And on the defensive front, the no sacks as far as putting pressure on your opponent so he can stand back there and keep you off balance with the running game and whatever they're doing. So it's really difficult. It's really difficult uh, 
to uh, win football games that way when people can outscore you. And really, Oregon, uh, in a way, uh, I thought uh, uh, really was nice to the good to the Trojans. I mean, they probably could have scored more. They didn't intentionally not try to score. I just think that their game plan and their effectiveness against USC wasn't that good either. Uh, and they had poor uh, Williams running for his life the entire game. Three sacks they got, while USC didn't get any sacks. And and like I said all along, uh, Brian, I've told you from the very beginning, it's an air raid type of attack. If you can't run the football, you don't win championships. You're not tough enough to win championships, and eventually you're exposed. And I think now it has gone to the sideline as far as the play calling for Lincoln Riley and the confidence of the offensive side of the football as well as the defensive side of the football. They both look at each other and try to point a finger on, if you stopped them, we'd have the ball more and back and forth and whatever. So it's a problem. And when you have that type of play calling, when you have to say, we've got to score, we've got to score, we've got to do something or else we're going to get beat, then it, it sort of messes up your, your thoughts. Your quarterback is pressing too hard. Uh, plays aren't really running the way they're designed. Uh, guys are implementing and doing it their way on the field. And, uh, you know, you can see it as far as, you know, uh, Caleb's a winner. And he's trying to make plays that he shouldn't make and running around. But if he didn't do that, who knows what might happen as far as the sacks and so on. So, you know, it's uh, there's a lot to uh, discuss. And, and there's a lot of people that aren't happy. And I'm sure the coaches aren't real happy, but they're probably not uh, wanting to see the criticism that's going on and on talk shows and and all the different things that you know media and and they're probably tired of hearing that. And with a coaching change at the same time, as far as the defensive coordinatorship, that didn't help. But they're not going to change anything. And I think that the guys that were calling the defenses fell out of place. I don't think they were used to doing it. I don't know if I'd have had my defensive line coach uh, sending in plays. I think he should be more active in the fronts where it makes a difference in the game. Anybody can signal in play. So that's my thought as far as opening statement. I love it, Coach. Yeah, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the, the the Grinch effect, the you know the change there. Like looking at it from the coach's point of view, um, it didn't seem to you. Did it seem like? There was any difference as far as the way the defense was run? Did it look simpler? Did it? Did do you feel like that there wasn't as much confusion pre-snap? Was any kind of changes positive or negative, or was it looking pretty similar to you? What What were your thoughts on that? No, I think it's the same. It, it's not any different. Uh, if they tried to make some changes, that's probably where all the confusion came. You can't make all those changes or make changes in four days of practice and. Obviously, the secondary wasn't just beaten. They were just beaten because nobody knew who to cover. And on the front side, uh, they didn't change much at all. They, you know, uh, it's the same thing. You know, kids are now starting to pout a little bit. If somebody says something about them, they're not going to play. Or uh, now they're going to redshirt or they're going to sit out the rest of the year. or They're not going to dress or, you know, that just shows immaturity as far as them thinking that they're stars before they're really stars and it's more of a me type of attitude instead of a team type of attitude and I think when you have this type of problem it starts to become that 
uh, and it's not more or less a team problem. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a problem with individuals now separating themselves from the team, and now you start to get a little more locker room lawyers, guys that are no more than the coaches, and start talking that I'm not getting my playing time, and if we'd have done this or if we'd have done that, we wouldn't have had this type of situation. So I think right now it's this UCLA game is huge for both teams personally, but the times just blasted Chip Kelly today as far as it's time for him to sort of uh, give it up. And I'm sure that uh, USC is not appreciating uh, all the discussions that uh, are being said about them. Yeah, you know, I want to get to the um, the sort of the attitude a little bit because well, let, let's do that first and we'll get back to the defense. Um, this is the first time Lincoln Riley in his career hasn't been playing for a championship. You know, there's the most losses they've ever had. Um, they've always been in contention to at least, you know, chance to win and win a conference championship. This is the first time they've been out of it. Caleb Williams was asked about it. It's the first time in his career. Um, he hasn't been, uh, you know, a, able to play for a conference championship. Um, you know, I think even going back to high school, and I, I wonder what it if you see the impact on the team. You know, you mentioned UCLA, like they look dead against Arizona State. You know, sometimes just your team attitude can be, um, you know, things start to go a little poorly, and are you able to keep it together? Um, it is a big game coming up, but what what did you see from sort of like the the attitude of the team? Because you know, Lincoln Riley talked about that they did fight hard. Um, you know, and I don't think they gave up against Oregon. But this is a different story now where all of your your aspirations and the dreams and the, the preseason number five ranking, all, all that's gone now. So any kind of thoughts on, you know, I, guess, I don't know if it's team morale or just the attitude, whatever you want to say. Well, it can't help but affect you as far as, you know, uh, on campus, at home, you know, high school coaches, you know, you're not walking around now like a star. People are sort of looking at you, what's going on? What happened? And I think that's what most questions uh, they're hearing is said of great game on Saturday. No, they're not hearing that. They're reading articles that don't really praise them. Uh, they're not happy with their performances. And, and really, that's got to affect your attitude. How can it not? As far as saying, well, what's going on? These guys normally have come from you know, great backgrounds of players-wise and coaches, as you mentioned, as far as Lincoln Riley. You said he's never not played for a, a championship. These are all adjustments. All adjustments, and uh, and uh, they're hearing all the rumbles about this and that and everything else, and and then they're hearing about Jimbo Fisher getting bought out of his contract, and today they read about the uh, Chip Kelly situation and Bill Plasky's article. So, you know, there's not a happy bunch of people in Southern California. Uh, there's not a lot of happy people as far as USC players or boosters uh, how can you be happy? You can't be happy as a player. You can't be happy as a, a booster. And, you know, I read in the articles, and you read the same articles I do, and I don't interview players, but when I hear players speaking for the defense, I start to wonder, what are you talking about? I mean, when Cobb is saying, I didn't watch any film, like uh, I didn't watch the Washington game film, or Bullock saying the same thing, we don't watch film. And now I don't know what content that means. You mean you don't watch it as a team? You don't watch it individually? Uh, there's not uh, uh, team meetings going on where you try to correct the mistakes that are 
being made in the previous game for the next game. I don't know what that means. But why they're talking about that, I don't understand. Uh, why isn't there a coach uh, representing the defensive side of the football saying what's going right and what's going wrong? And right now, I don't hear anybody representing the defense as far as saying what's going right or what's going wrong and why the secondary is playing like they're playing or why we're doing this or doing that. I, no one, I, I, it's like a, uh, no one's rep, nobody says anything about the defense. And on the offensive side of the football, everybody's looking at that and saying, nobody's blocking anybody. It's a lookout block. Uh, look out, Caleb, here they come. You know, and, and uh, without a running game to hold them and then take advantage of the play-action pass and try to counteraction what people are doing in the middle of the field when they're coming after you, throwing the open areas which are tied in and backs or whatever, or go to two back sets to help you in a blocking situation for protection or whatever, uh, I don't know what to say. And, and no one's talking about that, and no one's basically asking questions about that. And in the press conferences that I watch, as far as the post-game press conferences, it's more or less just a conversation about, well, we don't have the players, it's going to take time, we don't have the depth that Oregon had, or whatever. Well, and then I read articles about St. John Bosco, and I don't know how true these are, that USC hasn't visited their campus or been around lately recruiting local kids. Well, I don't understand how that can be when you have one of the top high school programs in America and you're not recruiting players from those type of high schools. So I don't know really what to think as far as who's running the show or who's in charge of recruiting or what their plan is as far as getting defense or offensive linemen. Are they going to recruit locally? Are they going to recruit out of state? I don't know what the philosophy is as far as what the whole program's running under. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of issues, and uh, you know we're we're gonna try to get into all of them. Um, I want to. You mentioned the defensive bunch. I want to talk about the the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, no Alex Grinch, Brian Odom, um, Sean Nua. You had said that you'd rather not have the defensive line coach calling in the the defenses. Didn't seem like it looked a lot different. Some of the numbers, um, you know, against Washington, you allowed uh, ridiculous running numbers against a passing team. Um, Bo Nix is mostly known for kind of a ball control offense. Now, these passes didn't go very far. They were like 15 yards, 18 yards, but they end up being uh, both. You know, his first two passes went for more than 75-yard touchdowns. So he is only the second FBS quarterback on record uh, to have that happen. So that like those kind of stats, that's not what you want to see. Um Bo, Bo Nix was also the first uh, Oregon Duck since Vernon Adams versus USC in 2015 to throw for 400 yards, four touchdowns, and complete at least 74% of his passes in the same game. So again, allowing him to be very efficient, throw for a lot of yards, big plays, and a bunch of touchdowns. And then Troy Franklin is the first Pac-12 player on record. This has never happened with at least 145 yards receiving on just two receptions. Um, that kind of stuff is just like every week. It seemed like you, there were these stats that you're like, okay, this has never happened before. It happens to be against the USC defense. So I, I mean, obviously the problem goes deeper fire, firing Alex Grinch and four days later, expecting better results aren't going to happen, but this has to be eye opening, um, just to understand that how bad the defense has played 
especially relative to the talent on the team, which I think is not nowhere near as bad as the results are getting. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, they, when they see this happen, a team sees two plays like that at the beginning of the game and you're down 14-zip immediately. It changes the whole atmosphere is on the sideline and everywhere. Oh, what's going on here? This could be terrible. We've got to catch up. We've got to do that. This and that. But yet, the score in 1914, I think it was at half, is a reasonable score. I mean, they're still in the game. You're still in the game regarding the score of the game. So a turnover here or there or an interception that you get or you get a big play or somehow they fumble or something, you know, to help you win the football game, you're still in it. So there was still hope going into the second half of that football game. So, you know, sometimes you say, you know, if we can be this close and playing this bad, we got a shot. We got a shot. If we can play that bad, I'd be telling my team at halftime, we can't play worse. So if we can play this bad and be 19-14 down, hey, we got a chance, guys. All we need to do is, uh, as the old term is used, as I hear it all the time, clean up a few things. Or I tell my coaches, get off your ass and start coaching them a little bit better. And, uh, or me, I'll, I'll take the defense and let somebody else do something else. But man, I'll tell you, one side of the football can change so much of the game as far as what happens on the other side of the football, as far as panic taking in on the offensive side of the football, thinking you're going to have to outscore them again. Or you, you take special teams, you say, what is Branch doing trying to run the ball out and we're getting the ball on the 10-yard line twice? What are you thinking? Well, what he's thinking, i got to make a big play. I can't, I can't let this go in the end zone or fair catch it. i got to run this back because we're getting beat. We've got to have a big play. We've got to do this and that. So it changes the whole thinking of what the rules are, what you're doing, and it gets worse. Yeah, it definitely got worse. Um, it actually wasn't fourteen nothing, coach. It was USC tied at seven seven after that seventy seven yard oh, touchdown that's right. pass, that's right. and then then um, Troy Franklin got the eighty four yard touchdown pass. Um, so it was, th- and then they they went for two and didn't get it. So it was thirteen seven, and then at halftime, I think it was ends up being twenty two fourteen. So USC um, is that what it was at halftime twenty two fourteen? Yeah. So they. Uh, oh. But you're still in it. You're still yeah. in the game. Yeah, so they end up forcing the field goal for Oregon to make it 22-7. It looked like it was going to be like 26-7. You're like, okay. And then USC ends up getting um, that drive right before half. So they actually close out the half pretty good. So it was in there. The thing I have an issue with, Coach, and I was lo- I've was i kind of harping on the drives. Um, you know, last week against Washington, there was 10 drives, uh, seven touchdowns, one field goal. Uh, one three and out and an interception in the end zone. Oregon really only had eight real drives where they weren't kneeling down before the end of the half or the end of the game. Uh, and you end up having, you know, five touchdowns, uh, a field goal, uh, and a field goal attempt. And then there was one three and out, but eight of their, I mean, four of their eight drives went over 80 yards. Um, they had a 75 yarder, like their shortest drive. Outside of the three and out, which was only a one yard drive, was a forty eight yard touchdown drive. You know, um, it's you know even the the one that they didn't score. The other one they didn't score on was a nine play fifty two yard drive where they missed a field goal. It just seemed like there was opportunities to get stops 
And it only came one. They only got the one real stop. I mean, Oregon started on their own one yard line on one drive and couldn't get the stop. End up getting a, you know, a field goal out of that one. That was an 84 yard field goal drive. I, to me, coach, it was like, there's just, you're not going to get a stop every time, but it feels like they only really got one stop. And that's, that's certainly not good enough against a team like Oregon. No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how many people listened or watched the uh, game itself and listened to the commentators. They were even, hate to say this, critical on the alignments and the depth of the defensive backs when you have, you know, seven yards or eight yards to go and the guys are playing way off where they simply just run a quick out and they got another first down. I mean, uh, you know, now people that are broadcasting the game are starting to question what's going on, too, in a, a polite type of way. And uh, you can now, people are now pointing out, and I don't have to tell them some of the things that aren't going right as far as it's not sound, as far as some of the things they've been doing in the secondary. Or now, I don't understand it. I mean, maybe you know more about it than I do as far as who's injured and who's not injured. It's a big secret. But what, three of their defensive backs were injured that had played or started and didn't even play in the game? How can that happen? Yeah, that was uh, some of the injury stuff. We're not getting a lot of updates on that, um, but we start we started to get word of like, hey, Eric Gentry didn't make the trip. Um, Jalen Smith didn't go, and even if we we only get to see the very beginning of practice, and if a player's out, we're not allowed to talk about it unless Lincoln Riley does. So we kind of had ideas that some of these guys weren't going to play. Thought Christian Roller Wallace wouldn't even play, but he ended up playing. He was kind of hobbled. Uh, we saw like Makai Lemon out there playing. DB a little bit. So Lincoln Riley talked about some of the, the areas they've been banged up. Um, and some of the guys got hurt, I think, in the Washington game and then sort of just never really got back. So that that was definitely a question, too. Um, one more thing, Coach, on the I want to just on the offensive side, you talked about Caleb Williams sort of running for his life. Guys trying to make plays just because they feel all the pressure of if we don't score, I mean, they're going to score every time. So we have to score. Um, you know, the, the toughness aspect, uh, not, you know, really running the football, uh, effectively like you, you want to be, I mean, I, it just seemed like there were some opportunities on the offensive side at the end of the game, you know, day, you only lost by nine, but it just felt like it wasn't that close. It just felt like Oregon could kind of do what they wanted. And if they were going to get the ball back, they were going to score like the end of the game, that drive, like you felt like they could have scored if they needed to, but they didn't, they didn't have to just have to run out the clock, but just offensively. Caleb Williams is such a special talent, but there's only so much one guy can do. And if your line's not blocking for you, it just seems like it's going to make it really tough uh, for him to have a consistent attack, like more of like what we saw last year. I think it's becoming more obvious that the weakness uh, is the line play, both the offense and defensive line. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be negative when I say this, but it's definitely a weakness. I mean, the guys, uh, when they pass block or lunging, they're not taking the right position. They're missing assignments. They do just simple cross charges and whatever, and they don't pick them up. And, and uh, you know, it it's, uh, becomes very frustrating because immediately Caleb doesn't have the confidence he's going to have time to throw a route that's necessarily a time route unless he uh, can get it off immediately. And uh, early in the game, he became the main guy as far as the ball carrier and everything else. As far as on that drive, he runs the football, he's throwing the football, he's trying to make plays, he's running for the first down. It's becoming a one uh, type of one-man offense. 
And uh, that can't happen. And sometimes when they're running the football, they're running into the strength of their defense rather into some other parts of the uh, of the defense that they should be running outside, quick tosses, utilize their speed. There's no draws in their offense whatsoever. There's no screens in their offense whatsoever as far as except for the outside over the middle or some type of screen where you take advantage of what they're trying to do to you coming after you and you don't counteract that with quick passes or over the middle of the field is wide open. Uh, I don't know. They're tight end. I mean, what they throw the ball? Did they throw the ball once or something again? I mean, I don't know the role of a tight end in their offense. I don't know if I was a tight end, why I'd want to go to school there. I mean, I'm just... He one, uh, yeah, he had one target. Lake McCree, one target. Uh, uh, one catch, zero yards, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean... I don't understand that. They don't even have to cover him, really. Or they let a linebacker take a look at him. And normally when they're covering your outside guys or whatever, you take advantage of your tight end. So, you know, I, I, I don't see uh, the big plays. Uh, Oregon had 130 yards in penalties or 120 yards in penalties. Can you imagine if they didn't have those? So, you know, Oregon to me looked like they wanted to win the football game. Didn't want to run it up necessarily and just wanted to get by this game and, and knew they could beat USC, but yet they're very competitive. Now, don't get me wrong. You watch their coaches on the sideline and so on. There's no BS. I mean, Lanning is in everybody's face, the coach's face, the player's face, and they play at a high-intensity level. And uh, that's why they're a good football team, and you can get good players to play at that type of level. Yeah, they definitely, I mean, look good. It, yeah, it was almost like Oregon looked like they were playing with their food a little bit. Like they knew they could just, they weren't in danger of losing and uh, just didn't need to do, you know, didn't have to overexert themselves. Uh, but it was a crazy environment up there. Uh, you know, if you've ever been to Austin Stadium, definitely loud. Um, press box is open, so you can kind of get a feel for how loud it is, and it definitely was loud. I thought they did a good job handling the noise. There wasn't any, a lot of pre-snap penalties and stuff, but. You can't, you know, can't have Caleb Williams running for his life all the time. It just looked like Bo Nix was could do whatever he wanted and survey the field and have the confidence that the line in front of him was going to give him time. And Caleb Williams did not have uh, that luxury. Uh, well, we got some questions to get to, Coach. You want? Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and get to questions? Is that cool with you? Yep, great. All right, everyone, back in a minute. Come back and uh, start answering your questions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I'm Brian Abraham. We're joined alongside of with Coach Harvey Hyde. Why don't we start with a voicemail, Coach? Uh, let me play it for you. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Richard in Huntsville, Alabama. Longtime fan, former uh, season ticket holder. I've seen enough. I have seen enough. Uh, I'll give them credit that they uh, fought back, but the results are the same. Uh, the defense is absolutely terrible. And let's be real here for a minute, all right? In the last 60 years of watching USC, they've had three great coaches, McKay, Robinson, and Carroll. The rest of these guys, put them all in a bowl, shake it up, and you get the same results. A lot of promises, very, very few results. And unfortunately, it looks like Lincoln Riley is in the same boat as those other guys. We've been promised a lot of things. Um, we're not getting anything delivered. And until Lincoln Riley realizes that he has to go into recruits homes in Southern California, get the top talent, and quit having them going to Oregon and other schools, we're going to get the same results. We're going to get the same results. They should get rid of everybody. Uh, and then Riley, if you think living in Southern California and the heat is there, wait till the off season because I'm telling you, the donors, the big bucks people, they're not going to take this kind of stuff, and it's going to have to get better. Otherwise, it's not. I appreciate you guys for what you're doing with the show. Coach, I, I love your style, and Ryan, I love your style as well. Hope things get better, and uh, let's get used to it next week. Maybe we can get one more win, hopefully. Thanks a lot for listening. To Take care. Bye. Well, thank you very much, and Ryan, if you uh, want me to go first, I will, and you can comment on that. I, yeah, I really don't. I really don't think Coach Riley realized what he was walking into at USC. I don't think he realized the uh, the uh, tradition, uh, the, what exactly it's all about, as far as the alumni, uh, the things he should be very much aware of, or what's important uh, to the USC football alumni, students, tradition, uh, traveler, the band, he should have had a, a course on that. Uh, I think he just thought, thought he'd come in there and be able to do whatever he wanted to do and, and not hire any real SC coaches or people on his staff that made a difference to the alumni that they could pick up the telephone and call them if they needed something in, in any of the offices. And I'm going back to Mike Bone and the rest of them. As far as, you know, the uh, development department, we used to be able to call uh, Pappas or Ron Orr or 
anybody. Uh, Steve Lopes, uh, there's nobody I know that I could call there now as far as uh, asking for something or information, or even if they'll return my call, and, you know, uh, who knows. And uh, But they don't know who I am, not that they should. And, Ryan, I know that you've had some uh, opportunity to meet them and so on, but I don't see that friendly fight on. When I look at them, I don't see them giving the fight on like they know what it even is about as far as the traveler or the fight on victory sign or or all of that. It, it seems to me they've never been schooled on what USC is about. And I think that hurt them. I don't think it's their fault necessarily, but who's going to do it? Bone uh, really had an experience. Socia really had an experience. They're guys from out of the area. Uh, they sort of got rid of the other guys who are SC people who played there or grew up there or whatever. There's people on the staff there that I don't know what they do. I've said this before, and I think a lot of other people don't know what they do or where they're from. I think you've lacking... Uh, USC uh, personnel. I think there's a lot of people that have graduated or know what USC is all about, and I think it's it's better to have those type of people at the gate welcoming you at practice or the press box or whatever that people can say, "How you doing?" or "How you doing, Harvard?" or whatever. Nice to see you here today. I don't get that feeling at all. I mean, it's more or less like, "What am I doing here?" Or who do I know here? Or even at practice, stand in that area. Or no cell phones. Or, you know, it's 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 really like not a friendly atmosphere. Now, Ryan, you might disagree with me, but it isn't a friendly atmosphere to be an event, be at an event. And I think there should be more of an outreaching of people coming on and off the field, the coaches and so on, sociably, sociable gatherings, attending events, where people get to know who these people are and be able to take a picture or get an autograph or whatever. Now, I don't know of any of those functions going on, uh, but uh, uh, working with the fraternities, sororities, the band, all these different departments, speaking at different events, I don't feel that anymore. And it used to be on Thursday night, we all went to Julie's, and I know that you don't know what Julie's is all about, but some of you out there know what Julie's is. That's the watering hole that used to be near campus where John McKay had his own booth, and you'd be able to walk by and say, hi, coach, or whatever, because the hay's in the barn. I mean, it's time now to uh, relax the day before the final day of practice and so on. Or he'd be at passing a quarterback club or speaking somewhere or at one of the Trojan clubs or whatever during the offseason. Ryan, I don't feel that. I don't understand. I don't think that their staff understands or personnel understands because they're not people in the recruiting areas that are from California, the importance of what that means to high school coaches in California and what the fight on sign means all about. Yeah, Coach, interesting points. It's uh, I don't know if it's college football has changed or USC has changed, but there's the, – I mean, we have access media-wise. Like, we can talk to people and all that, but I feel like, yeah, there's a maybe a, a layer – I don't want to – I mean, there's like kind of a layer between 
the athletic department, the football team, and sort of the outside world. And I don't know if it's just like it's uh, preventative or whatever, but it it definitely doesn't feel sort of as inclusive. Um, I mean, when fans could come to practice and all that, I think they felt like they were more part of it. Uh, it's a little more isolated, I guess now. And I don't know if that's just the way college. I think. I mean, I th- I think really college football has been that you know moved that way. USC might have been an outlier how open it was, uh, but I think it's definitely changed. Um, but I don't think it's just a USC thing. I think that's just the way kind of college football is. Well, you know, maybe it is at some schools. Maybe it's been that way, but USC hadn't been that way, okay? And they've got to go back and bring back the traditions that what USC is all about. And I, I really think they've eliminated that. I mean, since I've been covering football, a long time in my years, I used to be able to go anywhere on campus and have the respect of being a football coach or walking the practice, whether it was closed or not, and the trust was there, then I'm not going to pass on any information to anybody else. There's no trust. There's no trust because they don't know who you are. They don't know what you're doing there. I mean, there's a few people that do as far as in the sports information office, but they don't care. And, uh, you know, I can hurt you or help you in recruiting. I mean, I know a lot of coaches, and when they ask me certain things, you know, I could say, I think I'd send your kid there. I'd say, maybe you ought to go somewhere else. There's a lot of people that you can uh, lose support with. I mean, do you think the St. John Bosco coach is really fired up when he said that in the paper as far as helping USC? I mean, uh, now, I don't know if he said that or not, but it was in the paper. I don't think he'd say it unless it was the truth. And uh, so I'm just I'm just asking you, Ryan, and telling people how I feel or I think as far as when I go to practice or if I go to the game or if I go to a social event or whatever, do I feel welcome? Does the athletic director know who I was? Did Mike Bone know who I was? Did he try to know who I was? I mean, these are things that I think the people feel lost on and have a hard time uh, being a part of that type of the activities in the football program. Yeah, I I do like Jen Cohen a lot, and I think, you know, she's just getting on the job. So uh, I think you're going to have some good interactions with her. I already have. Um, But yeah, we'll see. We'll see where this goes, coach. Uh, Let's move on to the next question. We got a text message. Uh, our friend, our friend, we don't know his name. He just says frustrated in Texas. Uh, he's still frustrated, coach. He says, guys, it's time to face the music. We're in huge trouble. Riley only managed to put up 27 points. He's an, he has an ex-NFL head coach on his staff, and they still can't win games. Please tell me the silver lining here. Riley and his staff are not it. They are all soft. Please, please tell me how you think otherwise. Frustrated in Texas. Well, I don't know uh, him or Riley, like I said, but I certainly would take advantage if a guy was an offensive coordinator, a guy was a head football coach in the NFL, I would take advantage of his knowledge of the game, and I hope he is. I know during the game he tries to come up and talk to him, and I don't think they communicate too much, but that's just my observation. Uh, But, uh, you know... My feeling is, if you're going to have somebody on the staff, he better be there to contribute. And you better have him there for a reason of why you hired him to be there. 
And if the, if he's not contributing, then he's getting in the way. I mean, take a look at the sideline. You can't even walk up and down the sideline. Now, I don't know what all those guys do in fatigues, because I was able to see who was wearing the Veterans Day type. I don't know what they all do. But why are they all on the sideline? Do you have the recruiting coordinator on the sideline? Why? What are they doing on the sideline? They recruit the same players they already have. Put them up in the stands where they should be. Or communicate with the alumni or walk through the press box or have them working that day. I mean, it, that's distractions. Uh, I don't know if, if he could be in the press box, Kingsbury or not. I don't know what the rules are. Oh, but be where you can assist or talk during the defensive period or whatever. Or work with the defensive coaches on coverages, secondary coverages that are getting busted. But me, I didn't want somebody in my staff room or on our staff or on the sideline that wasn't contributing. That's like having a guy in the operating room having a cigarette. I mean, please don't come in the operating room unless I need you or you can contribute to this surgery. Because playing football is like creating a surgery on someone where you got to create something to keep this life going. So I think we have too many, that's in my opinion now, too many people that are stirring the pot, too many non-communication that's going on. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go. We have another text message. This is Mike in the Bay Area. He says, uh, do you think uh, when Riley says they are so close and only a few plays away, from winning these games, that he really believes it? I don't. How about you? Thanks for all the hard work from Mike. Well, I think you have to say that. I think he uh, I think he says, and he looks at the positive side of it and says, yeah, if we hadn't have done this and this hadn't happened and blah, 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 we could have won this football game. I think everybody wants to say that. If I hadn't have, uh, made that bad investment, uh, I'd have been better off. You know, you can always say those type of things. But I think he's, he's a smart guy. I mean, at least I hope he is as far as knowing football. And he knows that sometimes uh, when you're playing big games or always, you can't beat yourself. And it's easy afterwards to have second thoughts. Like, should I done this or should I done that? But I think that's part of preparation as far as being ready to face any type of defense situation, two-minute drill, onside kick, Whatever you have to do, short yardage, uh, that's why you practice and you're prepared and your kids have confidence in it because you're ready to go. So, uh, you know, when you sit there, you know, what can he say? I mean, what can he say? You just said it. They lost four of the last five. I mean, really, how do you think they feel? I mean, as a staff, I mean, are they second guessing themselves? They can't feel good about what's going on. But then again, I think the best way to correct yourself is look in the mirror. Am I, do I have a staff that's capable of being here at USC? Are we playing and recruiting up to the same levels as our opponents? We open against LSU next year in Las Vegas. They're pretty good. Then we go to the big house. That's pretty. That's a pretty good challenge. Well, how are we going to get there? Are we going to play them or are we going to try to beat them? Uh, so I think that uh, these are the things you've got to look at as a head football coach and decide are you – are we making really progress or have we declined? All right. Uh, let's go. Our next one is to uh, our buddy Dan from USC class of 62. He says, uh, the Oregon game wasn't a complete disaster, but a loss uh, 
is a loss. There's so much that needs to be done for the defense. So I'll have to save, uh, leave that analysis for next year. However, my great concern right now is the inept offense. I thought that Coach Riley was an offensive genius, but his passing schemes cannot get any of our four or five star wide receivers open. Would you play Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson against UCLA and in the bowl game to give them a head start for next year and pair them with the freshman receivers? Coach Riley's offense seems unable to adjust to different defenses. This is the, a greater concern than defensive coordinator because you can't fire a head coach to whom you owe $80 million for the next eight years. Fight on and at least beat the Bruins in a bowl game for a nine-win season, Dan, class of 62. That would be an eight-win season, right? Uh, yeah, well, then, and a bowl game, if you could win both. So if you right, win okay. beat UCLA and then win your bowl game. All right, good. Um, uh, uh, you know, it, it's hard for me to say he's a genius or not a genius. I think you're a genius when you have great players, okay? And uh, you're all on the same page and... Uh, as you know, I sometimes question uh, the air raid attack. I've done that with the last three staffs as far as coaches. You, I don't think you can win doing that big time. I think you can have fun, and it's good for the crowd as far as seeing big-time plays. And You recruit 20 receivers, and you get four offensive linemen, uh, I, and you play about 10 different receivers during the game because you know that they're not unhappy, and you put freshmen in there when there should be seniors and players on. I mean, this is me second-guessing, okay? Uh, I, I sometimes wonder what the philosophy has been. I mean, I think, Ryan, you've guessed, why another receiver? Why are we getting another receiver? What do we need here? Should he? Oh, i got to answer this question. No, I don't think he should play Miller Moss and, and so on. I think you got to try to win these football games. And he, uh, I hope he feels he's good enough uh, to play next year. Otherwise, I, I don't know who's going to play, him or him or whatever. Or is he going to the portal again? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think that you've got to look at the entire what's happened at USC since they came there. They've got a lot of roster changes. The offensive line was supposed to be better, and I'm not quite sure it is from last year. Uh, their defensive line, when you look at the defensive players, you know, I thought they were pretty good players when I first saw them, but I think they're, they've degressed. I don't think they're as good as players as they were when I saw them early in the year. I think they look more awkward. Uh, they look clumsier. They're making more mistakes. I mean, I don't think they've improved. As the season goes along, you're supposed to become a better football team and better polished where you can now just go out in shorts and so on and be ready to play. They're ready to hit, get ready for game day, and so on. On the offensive side, I think people just know uh, what they're going to try to do. and uh, They're not going to run off tackle. They're not going to uh, quick toss us. They're not going to screen. They're not going to draw. They're not going to mean, oh, they've done a couple of trick plays now as far as trying to balance it out a little bit. Uh, and uh, they've had a couple of successes with that, but you don't have to do trick plays to keep back the backside. You run jet sweep. Don't be afraid to go under center. Don't be afraid to run some, run some eye and play action pass out of the eye. Keep people guessing that, oh, they never do that. What do you mean we never do that? We're going to do that. So you have to work on it during the week because we do these different things that you have to defense. Now, if you don't do these different things that we have to defense, then we're not going to work on it. 
because we know you're never going to do it. So it gives us a better plan as far as what we have to stop from you because we know exactly what you do and you don't change. And that's what I see as far as what they do offensively. All right. Uh, we got one last text message. It says, uh, hey, Coach and Ryan, I just want to know how Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin can have their teams ranked in the top 10 and USC isn't even ranked, nor should they be. This is worse than the Clay Helton era. Help me figure this out. Thanks for bringing some clarity. Rick from L.A. Okay. Rick, with all due respect, uh, no, not worse than the Clay Helton era. Uh, but get your thoughts on that, Coach. Well, I think that both those coaches were young when they were at USC, and I don't think they were ready to be the head coach at USC. Uh, I think that uh, I didn't like the way they were handled at USC. Lane Kiffin basically came into a terrible time, and uh, the way he was handled and let go in the airport by Pat Hayden. Steve Sarkeesian came at a time where the program was ready for Ed Orgeron to get an opportunity. They were fired up on Ed Orgeron. They felt that he was mistreated. He should have at least been given a one-year opportunity to see how he could do, but Pat Hayden didn't think of that, and they hired Steve Sarkeesian from Washington, and that split the alumni and split the support groups of USC. And Steve had some problems when he was there. He was young and not ready to come to Southern California, and they should have done their homework better uh, before they hired him. Both of these young men have become successful because they went through the Nick Saban School of Coaching. They had an opportunity to go down there and find out what a real football program is about about how you discipline yourself and how you prepare for a game and how you recruit. And he's done that with so many coaches and put out so many head coaches because he's a no-nonsense, old-school football coach that you go to for rehab. And he decides and finds out whether you have the material to be a head football coach or not. And if you do... You certainly better shine because he ain't going to put up with it, okay? He's not going to put up with coaches. He's not going to put it up with players. Nobody. You can tell in his press conferences. Uh, he is in charge. And I think both these coaches became better coaches and became men. And that's why when they went on and got head coaching positions following working with him, they have been successful. Because they have a little bit of Nick Saban in them and their own philosophy. They got to be themselves. But I think that working on his staff, those guys had an opportunity to grow up and find out what football was about. Yeah. Um, I would say for, well, Ole Miss isn't top 10 anymore, but they were, then they got, they give a 50 burger to Georgia, but yeah, I think they're both doing uh, pretty well, but USC was ranked higher than both those schools last year, you know, in year one, I think this is definitely what Lincoln Riley took over was a mess. He's sort of a victim of that year one success because you're like, okay, well, the program's back. It was great. I mean, I think the, the schedule's harder this year. They've definitely fallen off more this year than you would have liked. But, you know, I, I think they overperformed expectations in year one and underperformed them uh, in year two. But, um, you want to compare them to those guys? Like, I don't know. Do you, do you want them back? Like, no, I don't think, I think, you're going in the right, you know, this is a 
a program that needed a lot of fixing. And we'll see if Lincoln Riley can be the guy to do it. He's, he showed in year one that they definitely can, but this year has been a little bit more disappointing. But I, I think he took over a pretty dire situation that needed a lot of work. And obviously it still needs some work because uh, losing four of your last five is not uh, not going to be good enough. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. Um, appreciate you, uh, all the insights. And it's always good to talk to you about football. Less, uh, I don't know if it's just because the losses have piled up. We've had fewer questions. There was less sort of outrage. There's still outrage, but um, different than after like the Utah game or after the Washington game. It just seemed like it was just another one, you know? So I I don't know if the fans just get a little bit more apathetic. They're not happy, but they're not as, I guess, outraged as, you know, you lose four or five, it's hard to get outraged every week, I guess. Well, it comes like this, uh, Ryan. You get used to losing. And that's what happens to football teams, too. They get used to losing. And uh, the fans now, right now, well, wasn't a big shock. They got used to losing. They're not upset because they are finally at this point where they more or less maybe expected it. And every week it gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier, a little bit easier. And people start saying, are you going to game this week? No. I'm not going to the game. You want my tickets? No. Uh, so that's what happens. It's got to be where uh, losing doesn't become a habit. And I think currently right now, uh, a lot of people have a lot of doubts on everything in the program. And uh, I think most people have gotten used to these results. What else can I say? Yeah, It's not a shock anymore. So uh, I think that's the best way I can answer that. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. Good to hear from you. Uh, one big one left, and then we'll find out uh, where USC's going bowl. And they get a little break for Thanksgiving weekend, so you can kind of watch all the other college football action with USC done after this weekend for the regular season. Um, but always great uh, talking to you, Coach. Thank you again for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you everything you do. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you and all of our callers. We appreciate you, but you care. And when you care, it makes a difference. And that's why I like doing this podcast, because I care, you care. And that's what it takes to win. So I want to wish all of you a a great weekend and happy holidays. Uh, They're coming shortly here. Whatever you celebrate, I want to give you the whole package and say have a great day and a great week and enjoy college football. There's nothing better than college football. It is the best out there. We love it. All right, Coach. Um, thank you again. Everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 